First thing I want to say is I don't know if, if you were not here for the Ellen birthday bash, you missed a, just a wonderful time. I was never more proud to be your minister than I was last Sunday night. I never saw such excitement, such turnout and everything. And um, that little girl over there doesn't know it yet, but her whole life was changed last Sunday night by the effort that we had. And I'm, there will be a report next week exactly on what was made and raised and everything. So, but uh, that was a great effort. And I also want to uh, give uh, Katie and Paige due for all the effort that they put in to get it uh, to where it was, what, it did, what we did. Yes. Uh, reminder confirmation class is day at 4.30. Then there is a two-Sunday break for Palm Sunday and Easter. Next Sunday is the Administrative Council. It's not this Sunday. It's next Sunday, even though they're part one place in the bulletin. It has it right in another place. It doesn't. It is next Sunday. Today is Library Day, so look good to go with Miss Beth at library at the proper time. A reminder coming way up, uh, Easter egg hunt coming up Saturday, April the... 4th at 2.30. And today we welcome Lauren Pinkerman as director of our traditional music at the 11 o'clock service. Okay, and then I'm going to let you come up and give a quick announcement, Reverend McQuaid, and then we'll get started. Good morning. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to make an announcement. We have two classes I want to call to your attention. One will be this morning called Finding Jesus Among the Patriarchs, or in the Patriarchs. It is a new series at Sunday school time, 9 o'clock will be in Social Hall. Bobby McQuaid will be teaching this series. I encourage you to come. A couple of classes are joining uh, for this series, but anyone and everyone is welcome, Finding Jesus in the Patriarchs. Also, tonight at 5.30 in the Social Hall will be the end of the end time study. Yuck, yuck. The end of the end time study, the last session tonight, 5.30. If you have not been or you've missed some, doesn't matter, come tonight, you're welcome. Will you stand and sing with us? When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you an ordinary song for a song in itself. It's not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, but it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus.
God, we are so thankful for the beginning of spring and all the signs of new life that are around us. We are also thankful for this Lenten season and that despite it, the fact that it is a season of sacrifice that we know in our hearts that it is going to bring new life to us at the end. Help us to focus on you and the sacrifice that you have made for us and the life that you give us and to live our lives in a way that show others your love. Focus our hearts and our minds now on you as we prepare to worship. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Yeah. 
would turn and greet your neighbor and children come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. All right, I'm dressed in green. This week at school, we celebrated something. Do you know what that was? St. Patrick's Day. Now, St. Patrick's Day, we think of leprechauns and rainbows and pots of gold, and we think of being lucky. And us as Christians, we are the luckiest of all, and I'm going to tell you why. All right, now... We know it's lucky to find four-leaf clover, right? Usually what's out there? Um, I got a question. Um, that, like, well, we both, Ryan and me are both playing in the playroom, and we have a new house. Well, that's we exciting. We to it right now, and we have stairs. Okay. Well, how many leaves are usually on a clover you found four but usually there's only three and that's pretty lucky and I'm going to show you why and Lauren I'm going to let you hand these out to everyone Natalie see I'm thinking of your sister you're going way too big all right okay and so Natalie's going to pass those out and that is a clover right there and when I see a three-leaf clover, I think of the Trinity. And the Trinity represents God. And God, we are taught there are three parts of him. You know what? You can, well, that's all right. I'm going to read it for you, okay? All right. So God has three parts. He, we have the Father, who gave us his son, and you can see that right here. We have the son who is who? Jesus, and he gave his life for us. And we have the Holy Spirit, and the Ho Holy Spirit is within all of us. Now, God is a big mystery, and we may not understand it, but what, whenever you go out and you see a clover, I want you to think of the three parts of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you see the three-leaf clover, just think about how blessed and how lucky we Christians are. Let's pray. Dear God, help us to know your love through Jesus, to feel your power through the Holy Spirit, and praise your creation. Amen.
Let us bow our heads for prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh covenant God, you have shown your faithfulness to every generation. You delivered your chosen people from bondage and made them a promise to be their God. And then you made a new covenant with us. You were chosen in Christ Jesus. And so we come this day, O Lord, to worship your holy name. We're reminded that your promise of eternal life is delivered in the teaching of Jesus. He promised to draw us all to himself and to give us new life. But we must confess that we love our lives here on earth awfully lot. And so sometimes we turn away and we sin and transgress before you, O Lord. Today we're truly sorry. And we come and we ask for your forgiveness and ask that you would cleanse us and remember our sins no more. Help us to be reminded that you wrote your new covenant on our hearts. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can fill us with the good news and the zeal to carry that to other people. We pray this day to remind us of our need to bring hope to all those who are hopeless. We pray this day, O Lord, that you'd bring your healing touch to all those who may suffer this day, whether in the body, mind, and by your merciful power, give us the courage and strength to bear the burdens that you lay upon us to glorify your name. We pray especially this day for little Ellen and her family and her life in Uganda. We praise you, O Lord, for your grace that you gave us through a member of our church, Tommy Simmons, successful heart surgery. And we pray, O oh Lord, we lift Tommy up to you and we pray for his continued healing and daily strength as he recovers from open heart surgery. We pray, O oh Lord, you'd receive our prayers. We offer them in union with the supplications of our great high priest, Jesus Christ our Lord, as we together with one voice recite the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, verse 19, chapter 19, verse 28. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come now to this fourth word from the cross. It, it may seem to be the, um, the fifth word from the cross. And it is just about as agonizing as the fourth word from the cross that we heard last night, last week. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd help us as we continue our Lenten journey and as we uh, seek to follow you to the cross, into the tomb, and then out again on Easter Sunday. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, the fourth statement of the cross was probably the most agonizing statement of all. It is when, of course, Christ took the sins of the world, I believe, upon Himself, and, and He felt that spiritual agony of forsakenness uh, from the Father, and He cried out, My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? Now, Christ experienced that spiritual ang agony of of forsakenness and separation so that we wouldn't have to. And today we look at that fifth statement, I am thirsty, and it's a, it's a simple, it's a short statement. It's one that probably all of us have said many times. I was thinking just a few minutes ago how thirsty I was uh, this morning. And it's a common condition of the human body. Uh, your body has to have a certain amount of water to function properly. Uh, you can go without food, but you can't go without water. And Jesus' body, as we know, was dehydrated from the torture, uh, from the hot sun that He hung in from noon to three. And it's important for us to look at this statement and see all that it might mean to us. And one of the first things I want you to think about is that this is the statement is only recorded in the Gospel of John. And John was the last Gospel written. And I believe that God inspired John to remember things maybe others didn't remember about what happened that day and to record it for several specific reasons. And I believe the first reason was to show us without any doubt that Jesus experienced a physical humanity. You know, there was a heresy that grew up pretty soon after the, after, uh, the church was started and it continues even into this day. Uh, this heresy says that, this, that spirit is good and that matter is evil. And certain conclusions follow from that. So if spirit is good and matter is evil, God, who is spirit, could never take upon Himself a body. And therefore they taught that Jesus never had a real body. And they went on to argue that God could never really suffer then, and therefore Jesus could never suffer. And everything that happened to Him on the cross happened to Him without pain. This heresy, this belief, the people who followed it, thought that they were actually honoring God in, a, in their reasoning, but in fact they were destroying the faith with their thoughts. Because if Jesus is to redeem us, if Jesus is to redeem humankind, Jesus has to become human. Jesus has to become what we are in order to make us what He is. And I believe that one of the reasons that John wanted us to hear these words is for us to know of the humanity and suffering of Jesus and to know that it was real. 
And if you think about in the Scripture, there's many other times where uh, the, re the humanity of Jesus comes out. For example, in the wilderness, He was tempted for 40 days, and it says He was very hungry. In fact, that one of the ways that Satan tempted Him was that He tempted Him to turn uh, stones into bread. And then another place in the Scripture where Jesus' humanity comes out, I believe is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus uh, cries and asks that the cup be removed from Him in His prayer to the Lord. And if He didn't have that, those, that period of anguish uh, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, I, I think that, to me that's another example in the Scripture that Jesus is, of Jesus' humanity. And then, of course, there's the places where Jesus wept. Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of their rejection of him. And I believe that these tears were real. I believe that Jesus' humanity was real. So I want us, I think that these words, I thirst, help us once more to understand that what we see happening here, what's happening there at the cross, What's going on is something that is real and it's something that is done for our behalf and this pain and this suffering and these discomforts and this forsakenness, this thirst, all these things that were occurring in Jesus' human body were done for you and for me. And that's the first thing I want you to think about with these words, I thirst. The second thing is I want you to, to understand again clearly that we we're not separated from the Father, but until Je we were separated from the Father until Jesus came, of course, and made things right. And when we are separated from the Father, and that's important, is we will have a thirst. We'll have a spiritual thirst. Forsakenness or separation of the Father brings on a spiritual thirst, a spiritual agony in us. Just like God made our bodies to have this need for water. I believe God made our spirits to have this need for God. We must have this connection with God. And if we're separated from God, our soul has this thirst. It's an empty spot that can only be filled by God. And no matter what we do, nothing can take away that emptiness. And some of you may have had periods like that in your life. Uh, I know I did. Uh, uh, and those periods like that, I was empty and I couldn't be fulfilled. No matter what I did, it didn't work. It, I always came back and felt empty. And God knows I tried a lot of different things. And so the, the thing is, is that emptiness is real. It's a spiritual uh, a thirst that comes from that disconnection from God. And this is repeated in the Bible in several places. The, the psalmist in Psalm 42 uh, writes about the condition that we have as humans when he wrote, as, deer, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. When can I go and meet with you, O Lord? So there was a hunger in that psalmist when he wrote those words. His soul had a deep spiritual thirst for God that could only be quenched by fellowship with God. Another reason that I believe that this, this thirst that Jesus had as a result from his, the forsakenness that He felt from the Father is that if you remember 
one of the other stories in the Bible, when Jesus was at the well with the Samaritan woman, you remember that story? She, she was there, you're drawing water. He came up. He said, I'm, I'm thirsty for some regular water. And so, uh, she, you know, he got some water. And then he began to talk to her about a different kind of water. He said, there is a living water. And everyone who drinks this water, uh, that like regular water, will be thirsty. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. And Jesus knew that He could provide for her the living water that would fill her spiritual thirst. And so I think many today still have this spiritual thirst that can only be satisfied by God. Uh, and they try many things, as I said, and they can't find their fulfillment in God. Christ can give to us, when we're dry and parched in our spirits, He can give us something that will take away that thirst. And so, thinking again about Jesus that day on the cross and what He was experiencing going through that forsakenness. You remember last week I said, you will see from this point on, everything kind of changes. Uh, his, his, his words, His, his appearance, uh, you can just see it and hear it. Why are you forsaken me? I thirst. And then you'll see the next two. So that day, he had both a physical thirst, obviously, but he had that spiritual thirst from the forsakenness that he had went through. Now finally, the last thing I want you to see about this scripture is this. Jesus, in that moment, fulfilled many of the prophecies about him. And in fact, if you were paying close attention to the reading of the Scripture, it said, and so the Scripture would be fulfilled. Remember John's writing after the fact, many, many years. And by that point in time, people have figured it out, all the ways that the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. And he's just telling us now, the reader, and just in case you didn't realize that, when he said that, it fulfilled Scripture. Psalm 22.15 predicted the thirst of Christ. Psalm 69.21 predicted that they would give Him vinegar to quench His thirst. There are so many scriptures that were fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to see that in this simple little statement, a scripture was fulfilled from the Old Testament about the Messiah that was to come into the world. You know, I think all of us, if we're honest, have experienced doubts at one time or another about our faith. After all, it seems in today's world that evil is, seems to triumph over good. Uh, it seems sometimes in our world that God is silent in fact, uh, when I was coming through high school, there was uh, the front page of the Time magazine said, Is God dead? Does any of y'all remember that, when, that concept? I see a few heads shaking. The theologians at that time were actually going, Is God dead? We haven't heard from God. Where's God? So if we're honest, we have to say we have had doubts before about our faith. 
But one of the things about today's lesson I want you to see is that this simple word, I thirst, is a, is a fulfillment of prophecy. And there are little, literally hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life of Christ and should give us confidence that Jesus was and is the Son of God. Let me just give you a few of them. The Old Testament prophesies that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That He'd be born to a virgin. That He'd be rejected by His own people. That He'd be betrayed by, his, by one of His own followers. That He'd be tried and condemned, and yet He would be silent before those when they accused Him. If you remember your Scripture, when He was accused uh, and beaten, before he was put on a cross, he was silent. Christ fulfilled every one of these prophecies. There was prophecies said that the Messiah would be struck, mocked, and insulted. That he would die by crucifixion. That those who killed him would cast lots for his garments. If you were looking at the Scriptures, you might have noticed that was one of the Scriptures after one of the words that we went through. The prophecy was that his bones would not be broken. That a spear would pierce his side. His bones were not broken. Which was the usual, traditional way of crucifixion. Is they would break the bones. Uh, instead, they stuck a spear in his side. The life of Christ fulfilled every one of these prophecies. And there are so many... Actually, you, almost, you need to go find you... A, a, go check out in the library a book at, about it. And all the prophecies that were fulfilled, there's too many for us to name today. So I think it's important that the reason we were preserved this simple word, I thirst, was I believe that the Father wanted us to know that once more, without a doubt, that Christ was the Messiah sent into the world to save us from our sins. And so even at the very end, Jesus was giving us one more piece of advice one more piece of evidence to say that I am the Christ. It's just really important, I think, for us to understand our faith clearly, is to understand that Christ didn't come down with a super body, like a superhero, couldn't feel pain or suffering. Instead, He came as a humble servant, a suffering servant. He came into the same world we come into, he came into this world full of sin, but full of hope. He went through trials and temptations. And through that all, He still displayed His love on the cross for you and me. Through it all, He still was able, in the first word, to say, Lord, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we've watched and listened to the Lord as... He spoke to us from the cross and we come to this one and we're just reminded that forsakenness always brings on that unquenchable thirst. I thirst. I thirst. And now we know that the end of His agony draws near. We have two words left that He utters. One of the words we'll look at next week Palm Sunday, and the last word we will cover on Holy Thursday night.
that special communion that commemorates the Last Supper. I appreciate your attendance to the sermon series. Amen. I don't know if you can recite. Do you think you can recite our affirmation without the video? Uh, I'll, recite, I, I can, I'll recite it. You, all, you think you can recite it? Stand up and recite it with me. If you can't, we'll, I'm going to read it, so maybe it'll help jigger your memory. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit, we trust in God, we're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life in death and life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let our ushers come forward now as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
I did in him be found Dressed in his righteousness alone All is stand before the throne All is stand before the throne stand and sing with us. He was crushed for our sins The punishment that brought our peace Was upon Him By His wounds By His wounds We are healed
of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May they be yours this day and each day. week.